Okay. All right. I got it. So, anyways, everybody listen on Instagram. Elliot and I do our podcast every Wednesday night. We don't live stream them here, but tonight we are. So, um, hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to go ahead and just record it like we normally do and let you guys kind of tune in from the behind the scenes kind of um, aspect on Instagram. So, hope you guys enjoy and we'll get to it. So, What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me, Elliot Gray Graybeard. How you doing tonight? <laughs> I watched some videos from like four or five years ago, and man, that gray is really flushed out mm. since I started the YouTube thing. I think that's the reason. What they call call you white white it's beard here soon? Seriously, yeah, I know. It's a, Speaking of beards, your reverse mullet, it's kind of like your beard on the back of your head, is gone. <laughs> reverse no more mullet for you. Yep, it's gone. And when I told him to do a, a tight fade, he did not mess around. I mean, there's... No, he didn't. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. Let's, hold on. I got to see it. All right. All right. I'll take the headphones off for this one. I bet your wife likes that so much better. <laughs> Does she? It's it's not about that, man. It's what the ducks like, and they like the mullet. According to your statistical numbers, I would say that they do not like the mullet. <laughs> they liked it so much they flew to other states. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Does your wife like it better though? Um. Yeah. I don't. She she would say it doesn't look bad with the hat and the mullet, but um, without the hat, it was a little bit of a mess. So. I, I was fine. I liked it. I mean, I think it look you look way better without, but I did. <laughs> it was it was funny. I, some of the videos where you're like doing slow mo, flipping it around was yeah. comical. Yeah, it was just honestly, it was just for a goof, you know, just mm-hmm. just, just for fun. And yeah, because it started out with my old mullet pictures from high school, and you trying to get me to do it, and I said no, and so you did it. Yeah, I just I just went for it. So yeah, yeah. Even uh, Matt and Thomas actually had one going for a little while. And then Matt, Matt was too worried about what the ladies would think, and he had a hot date. So how can he, just, he not? How can he wear that mustache and not and <laughs> and not worry about what the ladies think of that? That's but then not want to. That's true. That's <laughs> true. I think he should go with Matt's best with either beard or nothing, because he he looks he looks good just no beard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, besides the fact that he looks like he probably should should still be attending high school. <laughs> well, he can go for those, you know, 20, 21, 22 with that look. Yeah. I don't even know how old he is. What is he like? 26? I think he's, I, I think so. That's I think right. I'm thinking he's 27 or 28, 26, 27, 28, something like that. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to watch out. You see what your wife just said. <laughs> it's not happening. She did. She doesn't ask me to do that. Well, she did. She did before we were married. Get me to shave just like the Fu Manchu, where it's down the sides. I've mm-hmm. got a couple pictures like that. That is, actually, I was pretty. I kind of liked that. I, I'm. I think I'm gearing up to probably shave it all off here sometime this spring. Because um, I don't. I don't want to do any videos like that. But it's just nice to see your face every now and then. And I may go with the Fu Manchu for a little bit. There you go. Yeah, all you got to do is just trim off all the white and then. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and the and the chin. Yeah. That's what I don't know if what the technic technically the Fu Manchu is, but it's just like down the top of the mustache and then just the mustache extends down kind of to the bottom of your chin. Yeah. Kind of like a horseshoe shape. 
Mm-hmm. Wait, so you don't? Look. So you have like handlebars? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's not a goatee. Oh. It's just like a like a horseshoe shape, except straight. So yeah, you have handlebars. Then... Okay, got it. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Gotcha. Yeah, we we're just looking I'm, at I'm some of our our videos before um, we started recording, and um, man, because like I I trimmed off my whole beard, not my whole beard. I, I was real real tight right now. Um, compared to season where it's just big out and bushy and then mm-hmm. same thing with the mullet and it's just like man i went from so much hair to so little <laughs> so yeah i like i like the length of your beard about right how it is right now maybe that and two inches from that to two inches more mm. i kind of like i like it because w- pretty much what i do i don't know what you do during season i just let it go as soon as yeah you know, probably a little bit before season rolls in i just say all right it's time to not do anything with my hair <laughs> for the most part and just let it grow out. And that's, I, I, for whatever reason, man, I don't know what it is, but I like, I just like that. I don't know. I don't, I can't explain it, but I just feel like that's like masculine in a way. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. I, I think it goes way it. back to our discussions with Dr. Duck. Um, actually last week, kind of somewhat comical story. Um, you know, my parents like watching these live streams that we do. And, um, so I got off and my mom called, she's like, man, she's like, that was a a good conversation. Good (laughs) podcast you guys had. I'm like, oh yeah. Thanks. She's like, yeah, those guys were really great. And I'm thinking, well, it was only Alaskan Vikings. So she said those guys. Yeah. I'm like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, those, those guys with the beards. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, was it Dr. Duck? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that was great. I'm like, well, that was like two years ago. <laughs> they got on to watch the live stream and they watched our Dr. Duck episode from like literally two years ago. I was like, could you not tell that was from our my old house? That's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, wrap that story. Yeah, wrap that story back around. We had a an awesome beard conversation with Dr. Duck. And uh, oh, man, what's what's his buddy's name? can't remember what his buddy's name is foul hunter anyway yeah um anyway we had this we had this epic conversation about beards and i think from then on that kind of sparked i don't i don't think you had a huge beard before that i've i've got i've pretty much grown a big beard just on and off since i was like 15 so okay i thought maybe that sparked it the manly thing in you because dr duck (laughs) is certainly manly definitely he's big and (laughs) oh yeah yeah, I that was actually that was that, that's pretty funny because that's that's actually before they even had a podcast. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents went way back into the archives for that one. Yeah, they thought that was live the whole time, sitting there in their little house watching that show. <laughs> oh, our son's doing so great. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I awesome. thought so. Well, um, the podcast topic for tonight is going to be. Um, preseason or off-season scouting tips. So um, we kind of went ahead and put together a list that we're going to be going through. Um, Pretty exciting. Honestly, it's, uh, you know, a list for me at this point because I haven't started doing any of these things. I mean, granted, it is only March, but (laughs) off-season starts now. I mean, there's – the way that you and me hunt, Elliot, I mean, there's really just not an off-season. It's just – it's kind of maybe you take a little time to relax, but there's so much that goes into it, so much planning, so much grinding it out that there's no off season. So there, I mean, there really is two types of people. There's people that literally season ends, 
and they just completely turn it off. They don't think about it. They don't, um, they don't do any preparation. And then maybe a week before they get out the stuff, they clean their gun, you know, organize their blind bag, and then they go. And then there's the guys like us and probably a lot of the people on the podcast too. I bet a lot of people that listen to our podcast, well, they're still thinking about it right now. So that's why they're listening to the podcast. So your guy, you guys are probably in the same boat as us, hardcore, thinking about it, and there's no off-season for you. So um, we're going to take you guys through our planning stage, our uh, our um, our tips and thoughts on, on what we need to get done for off-season. So um, stay tuned for that. But before we do that, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our partners of the podcast, and then we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to um, Onyx, Onyx uh, web app or on the phone. Either way, it's perfect. Man, I mean, this is going to be perfect for tonight's topic because it's going to be an integral, integral part of my preseason and getting ready. Um, you know, all the pins you can lay, all the permission you can gain by looking at the tax addresses they put right there. You click on it on the map and it shows you where to go to find the landowner. Um, if if other people are using Onyx and you're not, you guys are going after the so, the same birds then you know you're definitely going to be at a disadvantage. Check out those guys Onyx on web app, on the phone, mobile, Android, Apple, doesn't matter. You'll be able to find them and you won't regret going with it. Um Bandit Avery and GC, I was talking last week about how I started my master spreadsheet of my wish list, feeling just like a kid making a, a list to Santa like I want this, I want that and and anything that you need as you're gearing up for next year, because all of us do a lot of purchases and upgrades and to all of our gear and equipment during the off season, banded.com. You can access banded Avery GHG, um, Avery sporting dog. They've got everything you need there. Go take a look at it, make a list, start knocking some of those things you want off of your list. The, the equipment is really high quality. And um, I would very much suggest you going and taking a look. They've got a new Aspire series that just kind of the dark traditional browns. Go take a look at it. Banda.com. Um, really, really cool gear. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Motion, Gut, Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader. Um, they got the four duck or the seven duck spreader. They call the seven the ultimate spreader. Um, that is my go-to. Actually, you can keep connecting them indefinitely. Um, but, you know... <laughs> At some point, there's probably diminishing returns at that. So my preference is the seven deck ultimate spreader. It really gives lifelike motion to your spread. Um, you know, don't just take our word for it. Take, check out a video. Elliot's got them on his channel. I got them on mine as well. And you can see, you know, all the ripples and lifelike motion it puts out in your spread. Um, fooling those late season ducks or on no wind days as, as well. Um, definitely super, super important. So check out those guys. Use code DuckGun. 10 for 10% off and free shipping. Let me add one thing to that, Jordan. I was looking at my numbers at freelancehuntstats.com and I went on nine hunts with the wind below five miles per hour. And my average was 3.4 ducks per hunt during those nine hunts. So my average harvested per hunt was better this year with wind under six than it was above that which is amazing because you've you've heard how many times i've griped about no wind days and so i'm starting to think that i need those motion ducks because if it's if it's a wind above like eight or nine i don't even take the the spreader system and so i mean what does that tell you right there that's an amazing that's an amazing number so i just wanted to throw that in there that i'm actually seeing 
some um, gains in what I'm doing just based on using that Motion Ducks decoy oh, yeah. spreader. So that's pretty cool. Um, guys, if you would like to um, support what Jordan and I are doing here and just get extra content, go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting over there. Jordan and I have um, patron only podcasts. We've got extra videos that are only on Patreon. No one on YouTube has ever seen them. And it's a place where um, you can just get to know us, message us, and just kind of be a part of that community. It's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Come join us over there. We'd really appreciate it. Awesome. All righty. Let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I just thought of something else I wanted to kind of mention, though. You know, um, I want to give a little uh, bus update. And currently I am... I am gutting that thing, getting it ready, and I don't know if you've ever taken rivets out, but rivets, I have to drill or grind every single one off, and there's like a thousand of these in this bus, and it's kicking my butt. <laughs> it's kicking my butt hard. <laughs> so I'll be lucky. Yeah, you got to keep posting updates of that. I haven't seen one for a while. Yeah, well, right now it's just the same thing over and over. There's not too much to update. It's like another rivet. Here we go. So today, yeah. I, today I, bo- I broke two drills. I broke two drills off <laughs> drilling out rivets, so I'm buying new drills. Oh man, it's man. it's gonna it's gonna take it's gonna take every spare time I have from now till uh, duck season to get this done. So <laughs> I got to get after it. You know what would be cool? I'm I'm dreaming here. So um, once you and I, if we're ever able to free up more time in our schedule, you and I take the duck bus on a little tour throughout one of the flyways and hunting with um, podcast listeners and just hitting the road with the duck bus and doing something like that. Wouldn't that be fun, man? That'd be oh, so yeah. cool. It'd definitely be fun, but I don't, th- I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So if you guys are well, listening out there, said, you know. <laughs> not, not going to happen right now, but I like the idea. I definitely no. do. Hopefully, hopefully someday something like that can happen. That'd be, that'd be freaking cool. So, um, but yeah, let's go ahead. Let's get to the the main meat of the podcast and go ahead and talk about um, preseason preseason scouting. So um, for me, the preseason scouting kind of starts with your planning stage. You're talking preseason or off season? Pre- off season, right? Well, what's the difference between preseason and off season? Well, to preseason is as the season approaches and is getting close. Okay. Like, right, I don't call now a preseason. Well, it's before season. Now it's off season. <laughs> yeah, okay. true. Yeah, true. Yeah, I guess I guess that's good to specify. So we'll just we'll say off season then, because we're talking from now yeah. all the way till season. So off season, um, off off season planning for scouting, and yeah, the first thing you know for me is starting that planning stage, figuring out where you want to hunt, where you want to go, maybe even some out of state options. Um, that you're going to want to start your scouting on. So that's that's really step one is figuring out everything you're going to do um, because if you're going to have some kind of crazy uh, out-of-state trip, it's probably going to take a lot, a lot of time and, and uh, energy to get that, that scouted out. So step one, get everything wrote out, get your schedule ready, calendar, dates marked, places you want to hunt. You know, this really doesn't apply, obviously, to like the local stuff that you're you're getting around. But anything out of state, and I know Elliot, you don't hunt out of state. Well, I guess you do now uh, with Nebraska, but in the past, for the most part, you just stick to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's that's my number one. Okay. Um, now, mine, I don't have any particular order. First of all, um, I think you need to decide what your goal is in the offseason because, honestly, a lot of times that I actually travel to a marsh, it's just I want to be in a marsh. But if I'm going to be there, I might as well gather some some information as well. And so my offseason scouting really ramped up last year. And I didn't go for the really the reason of scouting. I went to just hang out in a marsh and have the marsh all to myself. And then it turned out into really gaining some good information and good knowledge about it from it. So one thing I learned is to monitor your rainfall amounts. And I would, if you're really, really serious about off-season scouting, you don't just want to goof around, you need to take notes. You need to be writing stuff down and take notes because you want to keep track during the off-season um, how much rain that you're getting. And, and you wouldn't have to log these numbers down till the end, you know, till August or September because with, with different rainfall amounts, you're going to get different conditions in the fall. So if you have a little bit of rain, um, basically the amount of rain determines what type of vegetation is going to grow a lot of times. I've got, I've seen years where smartweed grows where I've never seen it grow. And then the next year, lotus plants come up. And the next year, um, nothing comes up. So keep track of the type of rainfall you're, you're getting and take notes about the mounts. Take notes about what kind of plants grow based on those amounts. And so down the road, as you're, if you're scouting these same locations, you will know on a low rainfall year what's growing where and where are the best places on your complex to maybe hunt the next year. Um, also on rainfall amounts, if you're hunting rivers, um, whether they're small or big, a lot of rain means higher water, less rain means lower water. So that's a really, really good time for you to check, okay, the river is at five feet right now. What type of places are good to hunt on the river um, when the river's five feet? The river's two feet now. What kind of places are good to hunt when it's two feet? And, and off-season's a great time to determine that because during, during the main season, those type of scouting events, you know, during the main season when we scout, we're scouting for birds. Where are the birds? Um, and off-season, the scouting is not where are the birds, it's conditions, and mostly for me, vegetation. And when what pools hold water based on the rainfall amounts. I've I've got one spot on the river that we hunt that I've never hunted it, but I've got written in my notes that when the water amount is this high, it floods up into this hole and I flushed a bunch of ducks out of that in the spring. So I've got that in my notes. And at some point in time, because I've got that in my notes, I'm going to get on a good hunt in there. So I would say definitely um, keep, in, keep in mind your your rainfall amounts. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely some good stuff. You know, I don't hunt the marshes the same way you do, um, or they're not as a big of a abundance in our area, so we just don't get on them. So that's definitely an interesting perspective and um, definitely something to consider, especially for those marsh hunters out there. Um, next one I got is Onyx Scouting. And, guys, I'm not saying this just because they're a partner of the podcast. Literally, Onyx is super important. It's just super important for figuring out your off-season scouting, especially the way I hunt. And I'm going to do a YouTube video on this as well. But, um, you know, if you're in th- in the position of trying to find more locations to hunt, whether it's public or private, 
you know, um, the best way to do it is really to track what you're, what you're looking at in your area. So you can get on there, you can get on your PC, you can get on your phone, man. I have so many of these pins. I wish I could show you, but you guys are going to steal my spots. So, um, I can't, <laughs> I can't show you, but, um, I got, I got just tons of pins all around me. Um, I got it color coded. So I pretty much I, what I do is I mark it down as blue and, if I've marked a pin blue, that means it's somewhere that I'm interested in checking out. On public land, I mark it as yellow if it's a place that I haven't been to, but I want to scout it. And you just, anytime I'm driving around, man, I'm dropping pins. I'm going by places of interest. I'm just right there on Onyx. As long as you're not driving, you know, you open up your phone and you're marking these pins. And, and we drive around for work a lot, so I can mark these pins down. And then what I'll do is once I kind of have most of the stuff pinned kind of my general area, which I'm always adding to it. But then if I know if it's blue or yellow and I go to those locations, so let's say I'm going to go Northwest. Well, I can pick out, you know, 20 locations I want to hit up um, on a Saturday and I can knock on doors. I can check public and then either I change them. I change them from blue to either black if they say no, no permission, or white, if they say yes, go ahead. Or if I go to public land and it's good for duck hunting, then I'll change it to to white as well. So that way I know all my pins that are white are places that I can hunt. So I can easily look at my map. And and when you do this, you get so many places, you almost kind of forget sometimes, um, you know, what, what you're looking at during season. So anyways, I'm probably, I'm probably going more in depth than people want on this, but there's so much you can do just by scouting by the map. And if you're not looking online, if you're not looking at the map um, and you're just kind of hunting the same places, you're probably missing out. You know, this year I'll say that um, we had one of our worst seasons ever. And, you know, the places that I pinned were directly from Onyx. And I gained access to new spots. And the majority of my hunting here locally was on these these two stretches, one was a stretch of river and one was the snake swamp. And those were places I didn't hunt prior years. And those were the majority of my success air quotes, because we didn't have too much success. But, um, without that man, my season would have been way worse. So it's like the more, the more places you can have in your, your bag of tricks, you know, the better you're going to be able to keep your season from spinning out of control and having a terrible season. Um, you know, so definitely those things to consider. And then now I know these spots for next year. Hopefully it's a normal year, a better year, and they're going to be even better now that I know them. So um, all things to consider with Onyx. So I'm going to start this process of looking at what vegetation is growing in my, now this, this, these are the marshes, the public marshes on the different complex. And I want to have an idea of what is in these marshes and what is being planted in these marshes. Um, if, if you hunt places like I do, sometimes it's natural vegetation and sometimes it's what the managers are actually, are actually planting. <clears throat> so um, about June, mid June, I'll probably start hitting some marshes because by then I'll just be like wanting to be in a marsh bed. So I'll start hitting some of these marshes and I will just start looking what areas does it look like vegetation is really growing up strong in. Now this is going to be a bit of a process because you can have floods come in and take these out. And so this could, this could be done one time right before the season, but I, I love doing it throughout the whole year. And you can just see in these marshes where the concentration of smartweed is or barnyard grass or planted, where are they planting corn? Where are they planting millet? Just in every single pool, where does it look like there's a concentration 
of really good duck food. And one, one tip that I will give you, there are apps out there where you can take a picture of a plant and it will tell you what it is. You just take it up, snap, boom, you got the name right there. You can keep those pictures. And then later on, you can start doing a little research because when you just see green plants coming up, most of us are not biologists. We can't go, you know, that's smart weed, that's morning grass or whatever. Um, but if you use an app that will identify types of vegetation, types of plants, you can take those and you can figure out what's growing. And then the cool thing about that is then over time, you'll just start learning. You'll be able to identify different duck food, duck food plants. But I would get in those marshes June, July, August, you know, just from time to time and, and take a look at those. And a lot, a lot of this honestly is not necessarily essential. A lot of it is just fun because when you're out in a marsh and there's on a cool June morning and you've got your dog with you and you're wandering around and no one else is out in that marsh with you and you're seeing different types of duck food um, growing up, it really just gets you excited about the upcoming season. You're uh, you're sitting in there and you're imagining, you know, mallards coming in and you're saying, wow, man, this might be where I want to sit up. Um, so, and some of you might say, well, I know what grows in those marshes. The thing you have to understand is from year to year, marshes look completely different. I mean, they can change from year to year um, drastically. So ne- never think you necessarily know what's going to grow up because it's it's not always not always the same. Awesome. Um, all right. Next one I got, Elliot, is something that I'm trying to, I'm thinking about doing. I have never done it. Uh, I know there's people out there that have done it. So I'm curious if you've done it as well. Um, but have you ever set up trail cameras on private spots? No. Never. <laughs> I don't own it. I don't even own a trail camera. <laughs> yeah. I own one um, and I used it for deer hunting. I put it in the woods somewhere and never went back to get it. So I <laughs> guess you dope. I don't. The so thing like is, what you'd, you'd, I don't remember where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> so probably has a lot of really great pictures on it. Probably, probably tons of big bucks and all that, but I'll never know. Cause I have racked my brain. I can't remember, remember where I put it. Um, but <laughs> it's killing me <laughs> too. Great. So, cause I, I, I want to this year, I'm thinking about putting out some trail cams, on some of the private places that I got access to. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, this goes to even during season. And I don't know how, I mean, you don't hear about hunters doing this a lot, but every once in a while on social media, you'll see someone post a trail cam picture of a bunch of ducks sitting in their hole or or whatever. So mm-hmm. anyways, that's something that I've thought about considering doing this year um, for preseason scouting. Even, you know, my boss has these really cool ones uh, the cellular cameras. He's just getting text messages all day of, <laughs> of whatever animals are, are coming by his, his feeders in, in the off season. So, um, you know, I want to see this, I want to try it for, um, I want to try that in the off season this year at some of my places, see if it works, try the cell, the cellular, cellular cameras and, you know, and go from there. So that's, that's a new one for me. We'll see how, how good that works or how important that is in my overall strategy. Um, probably not terribly important, but it'll be cool. It'll be cool to see, especially if I get one of these cellular cameras, just getting, you know, getting pictures of ducks landing in it and, in August or whatever. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that. Um, so spring ducks, um, if you're trying to investigate a new complex, um, then, you get out, you can get out in the spring and you can kind of see where the ducks are really preferring 
and um, which marshes they're liking in the spring. Now, if you have great, great, I find this to be more helpful with holes that don't have a lot of duck food in because we know holes that have a lot of duck food are going to have a lot of ducks. But there are sometimes you will find um, some timber holes or some kind of holes that are back in there that don't have food. And I never really feel comfortable hunting those places until I know that there's actually ducks in them. In fact, my number one place that I love so much doesn't have a lot of duck food. And when I first scouted that place, I was unsure whether there would be any ducks in there or not. And um, sure enough, they do go in there as a loafing hole. But when I find places like that, I like to know that ducks actually use them because they don't use every single place that has water. So getting out in the spring and actually identifying where the ducks are on the migration north can be helpful, especially when you're going to a new a new complex. Now, I have found somewhat, and this seems like it's more so true with blue-winged teal, that I will see them using places on the migration north, and then on the migration south, they don't use them. So I don't, I've never quite understood why that is. Maybe that's just hunt, pure hunting pressure issue. I don't know. But I, I, I like to know where the ducks are um, on the north migration and what, what places they're using. I find as much data as you can put into your brain about your complex, the better you're going to be. So it's just really all this is just acquiring as much information as you possibly can about every single variable so that when you make your decision at where to hunt, if you don't have the luxury of doing a bunch of scouting during the season so that you can actually see, oh, there's thousands of ducks over here. I mean, obviously, if you're out scouting and you see thousands and thousands of ducks, then your off-season scouting is not going to have made a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really just all the fine details and getting every single, I, I want for myself, the main couple places that I hunt, I want to feel as though I know every square inch of those complexes. And I want to feel as though I am an expert compared to everyone else. Now it's probably not the truth, but that's how I want to feel. I want to feel like so comfortable in those areas and that I could walk to them with my eyes closed. So it's it's just about acquiring as much detail about every single little thing as you can really awesome definitely agree with you on that and it pretty much ties into kind of the next one i got um you know and my next one i got is taking trips out to location taking day trips or whatever and i know elliot this is something you do um and it's really important you know for those big type complexes especially for me the ones that i go to out of state and so i got one in mind in particular when I go out for the central opener every year, um, you know, it's kind of one of the things we get there in the evening, we roll out to our spot and that's kind of that, you know? Um, and then you hunt hard for two days and you go back home. So, um, you know, with that, it's like a lot of times during season, we get so kind of wrapped up with doing that with just grinding and a spot like that where historically, we know, it just has birds all the time. It's just it's just a great place. But do we know every square inch like you're saying? Probably not. And there's so many things more that we could figure out and learn and and go by doing an off season kind of summer trip. So uh, I definitely want to take at least at least one to this location in the off season, hopefully to kind of, you know, figure out all the options because it's massive. Um, and there's lots of locations that I haven't even looked at, haven't even looked at at all to know, um, you know, what, what the birds are going to be doing during season and kind of figuring out all the options they have. So, um, taking those day trips can be huge for your scouting and you're definitely not going to have time 
during season or as much time as you want. So do it now while the while it's a little easier. Yeah, that place you're talking about, if I was you, I would be putting 90% of my energy into into uh, um, Onyx scouting that place with pens and then take a weekend and just – because in fact, can, I need you to send me a pen in that place. I would love to really, <laughs> really help you look at that place and mark pens. That, that's the kind of place just, that I would find so interesting. You just need to fly out to, here, to man. Just fly out here and we'll drive up there. Yeah, that would really, really be fun. That that would to take a whole just a like a duck scouting weekend where you're because as big as that place is you're talking about, I bet you there's because there's guys like you that right now don't really know it, so you just go and roll in, and then there's the guys that know it and know what places to get to that that other people don't really get to. You know, oh, yeah, and so yeah, and that place see, is intriguing, and we see people getting to them, so and we don't even mm-hmm. know how they're getting to it and all that, so. Do you have a lot of pins put all over that place on Onyx that you want to look at, or have you not gotten that in depth with that? Not that in depth with it, no. Yeah, I don't know if it's bigger than my the complex that I that I hunt or not. Um, but I can tell you, even I've been scouting this. I mean, I scour this place um, online satellite images and feed on the ground and everything. And and Aiden Aiden ended up working out there last summer, and he found a couple places I did that I just had yet to find. And that's been like 10 years that I've been, you know, looking and looking and looking mm. and looking. So cool process. Oh, yeah. um, pick a, pick out a new complex and get to know it. it. It's very easy. Once the season is is on, it's hard to go to someplace you don't know because you just you've had success some places and you just want to keep going there. Get on your state website. Look at the different locations. Circle the ones or, or pen them on Onyx, the ones that are in, in your driving range, and get to know a new one. And start that with your satellite imaging. Look and look and look and make pins and make pins and make pins. And then just check them off. Get out there and look. Get out there and go. So that when the season gets going, you feel a little more comfortable going there. I have – I have when when my scouting – I've got a routine of scouting even like um, late August and September that I want to physically look – at every single marsh that I want to, that I may want to hunt um, before the season starts. Cause some of them are hard to get to and some of them take boats. And I know from the past, if I don't get my eyes physically on those places, then I'm not going to hunt them during the season because I haven't seen what it looks like to go in there in the dark. And I have limited hunts. I got 35 times. I'm not going to waste. Um, I'm not going to waste a whole day trying to scout. I don't have the luxury of a whole season where I can, you know, scout a bunch during, during, during the year. So you've got to see these places So pick out a complex and, and take the time to get to know it. I honestly, the so guys that love fishing, this is harder for, I don't love fishing. I like fishing and I will go on a few fishing trips, but a lot of my fishing trips, especially to, to reservoirs, I fish for like an hour and then I'm off <laughs> scouting <laughs> and, Scouting, driving around places I think are good duck hunting places and daydreaming is really a better, better, <laughs> better word for it. But yeah, um, it's just, it's fun. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with you on that. And, and it is, it is like you said, if you, if you mark something on a pen and you don't physically go to it, then when it's, when it's crunch time and you have to pick somewhere to hunt, if you don't know that you can get to that spot or you've never been there and you're not really sure how the duck habitat is or going in, in the dark without seeing it for the first time. I mean, that's pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like you said, you have to put your eyes on it. You have to physically go to these spots. You know, step one is to pin it and find it. And, you know, 
um, maybe network with some people around that possibly have hunted it. But then beyond that, you really have to get boots on the ground and mm-hmm. and scout in there and, and and lock it down. So then when seasons when seasons here, you're confident enough to go into a, and do a place like that and, and be successful. And I'd say the biggest part is when you go there with your feet on, with the boots on the ground. I would put a pin and say, okay, if I never come back here again before hunting season, I think this is where I would want to set up mm-hmm. and drop a pin there. That way, you know, when November rolls around and you haven't seen this place since August, you don't, you're not fumbling around, fumbling around in the dark to try to find a place to set up is a really good way to get skunked. Yeah. I mean, you can get lucky sometimes, but it's just, if you have an idea of where you think might be a good place to set up and you have a pin on it, again, you're going to be a lot more likely to go to that place and have a plan oh, yeah. from the start. And there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's cover, vegetation, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. water level that you're going to be able to see and figure out um, as far as like, and even then knowing in season what to bring to to that hunt as far as um, your setup and, and your hide and all that. It's going to be that much easier to figure all that out um, as well. So definitely, definitely a solid and, one. And- some of these scouts are a one-time hunt. Like, I don't know if you remember the place I scouted heavily off-season last year. It's fairly close to me. It's a new complex. I've only hunted it one time, but it's pretty big. And so what I did during last off-season um, is I got to know every square inch of that place. And I even had to put the big boat in a couple times, and I know that place. Now, the vegetation growth is going to be different from year to year, but I know – the whole area it turns out the water was really low it never got any water i did not hunt it one time but the four or five trips i took to that place just last off season and i'll, I'll do a few this this season too just to look but not like last season because now i have a really in-depth mental picture in my mind of where the holes are exactly um so i it may be three or four years till i hunt that place but i've done the groundwork to already know um, kind of where I think the good places will be when the right, when the correct water levels arrive. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking at the list, you know, this is kind of our last one. They're pretty much hand in hand. So, uh, mine is knock on doors. You know, we get to the, the private, um, locations, definitely knocking on doors is going to be huge for off season. Um, you know, pick out as many as you can. It's literally one to a hundred um, would be my best estimate of how many times you're going to have to ask before you get permission. So um, in this in this thing, it's it's quantity, you know, just just get after it as many times as you can. And hopefully you can gain some. I'll, I'll let you kind of elaborate on, on what you got on, on your section as well for this the same one. This is something I'm not good at and I have to get better at it. I don't. My heart is in shallow water marshes. And so when I go out, that's what I tend to go to is shallow water marshes, whether it's season or off season. But finding new private ponds is something that would be really, really beneficial to myself, my father, my whole group. And I just haven't devoted the time to do it. So we do have some new ponds pinned. My dad does. And my strategy for these is going to be knock on the door and ask to fish. And landowners are a lot more likely to allow you to fish than to hunt. And so my plan would be ask them to fish, spend an hour or two fishing at that pond. A couple weeks later, drop them a nice note. Maybe I know Aiden has dropped a pizza off at someone's someone's door before. You know, just really build that relationship 
with that landowner before you break the in the question of may I hunt. I just think that that uh, landowners are a lot more likely to let you fish, especially if you have a kid like Jordan. You got that cute little girl of yours, and I don't mean your wife. I'm talking about your little daughter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hardly anyone. If you show up with an adorable little child with a little Scooby Doo fishing pole, they're going to let you fish. And right there, you've got that relationship started with that individual. And then you go back a little before season, you hit them with the uh, hunting question. And I think they're a lot more likely to say yes. But anyway, that is something that we, I really, that's my number one, should be my number one goal. I, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm probably going to end up wandering <laughs> around the shallow water marshes again. But that's really <laughs> a big need for me is those ponds. Maybe you can keep on me about it, George. Keep I'll, harping on I'll me keep about on it. you. I'll keep on you. Yeah. So kind of, kind of. If we did, had two or three private ponds, man, we would be our our hunting life would be so much better. I think during season you'd hit those up probably <laughs> almost to a detriment because you'd be like, "Oh man, I'm tired. <laughs> Need an easy one." <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing about those ponds is during your lulls, during your stale ducks, ponds are just better. Ponds are better, and it and let's face it, killing a lot of geese is easier than killing a lot of ducks because of ponds. Mm. Because geese love them. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so kind of, kind of to wrap the the end of this podcast up. Um, you know, I, I want to set kind of goals, not for for myself, but also for for listeners. Um, you know, it it's if you're not gaining spots, especially with private. When it comes to private, if you're not gaining spots, then you're not going to stay with your current amount because you're probably going to lose spots just about as fast as you gain them. Not only that, but, you know, gain some public access because um, same thing with weather. There'll be years where you can't even hunt it and um, whether it's water level or vegetation or whatever. So um, kind of goals to set for myself and for you guys as listeners because I want everyone to be successful, right? Um, gain at least one new public land spot. Go out there this year, check it out, put something a pin and go out there physically and check it out one and then gain at least one private spot. Now that one's especially for you, Elliot, if you just gain that, that one pond, I think mm -hmm. it's going to, I think yep. it's going to change a lot because um, right now you just got corn's pond and think about how many times you think about it. If you had two of those, man, it'd make a world of a difference for your, your season's success. So that's, yep. that's the goal I'm, I'm, I'm setting for, for all of us. So um, yeah. Any, any last words to kind of wrap this one up, Elliot? I don't think so. I mean, for those of us, and, I, and, and I'm sure lots of you guys listening are like this, especially if you're listening this time of year, you are eating up with waterfowl hunting. And there's no reason, and <clears throat> just because you're not killing birds, there's no reason that you can't enjoy a morning in the marsh. Take your dog out there, do some training, just be in it. It's going to, it's definitely a partial cure for duck depression. It oh, really, yeah. really is. I, I highly value off-season times in the marsh and it doesn't have to be like a full on in your boat just walk around and see it and, and you know it's it's just get out and do it it's it's really really enjoyable in fact you know i haven't done this for a few years but take take a string of decoys out there during this during the migration back north and and uh call some call some ducks in take some pictures um it's just a spe it's a special time it's a special time in the marsh because no one else is there and you know that it's really cool awesome all right, fellas. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. Guys, we're going to get through off-season together. Stay tuned. We'll see you guys in the next one.